Hey, listeners, do you fucking love music? Because we do. And if you fucking love music, please consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com slash on the record music, where for just $5 a month, you can have access to our private podcast where we go in depth on albums, do extended album reviews, do impromptu shows, do live shows, legacy albums, lots of great content on the Patreon, on the private podcast, because we want to share our love of music with the entire world. Look, it's really fucking easy these days to put out a video on YouTube and say, here's why this band sucks, or here are the worst songs out today, or or this song or this album is just crap. It's all clickbait. And that's not who we are. We love music. and We love sharing music. We love talking about music. We are musicians. We are music listeners. We go to concerts. We go to festivals. And that's what we want to spread to the world. And you can help us do that. If you believe these same things that I'm talking about right now, please consider joining us on Patreon. We know you have a choice with what to do with your money. And we hope for just $5 a month, you consider supporting us so we can continue to spread this message and continue our mission of just fucking rocking. So if you would, please go to patreon.com slash on the record music and join us. Now let's get fucking rocking. Hello, hello, you are listening to On The Record, a music podcast for those who just fucking love music. In today's episode, Jesse and I are discussing Howlin' Sun's album, Howlin' Sun. It's a little outfit from Norway, and these guys fucking rock. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. A five-star one would be greatly appreciated. And interact with us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at On The Record Music or on Twitter at OTRM Podcast. Now, thank you and enjoy the show. They hand you a joint as you walk in. It's like having a leadoff hitter that hits 210. Oops, wrong number. You and I are kind of perverted. How's that highlight doing? <laughs> it's empty. <laughs> that song's got traffic. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, Jesse, you're wrong because you can never have enough guitar solo. <laughs> Love it. And we're on the record with Ben and Jesse. I am Jesse here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Ben, how's Chicago, Illinois treating ya? Chicago is not too bad. The weather's warm. The sun is out. Things are good. Yeah, you guys got some good weather out there. So did we. It's been it's been a wonderful weekend, actually. It's been real nice, let me tell you. Yeah, did you get sunburned like I did when I went out for a picnic on Friday? Yeah, actually, I did get a little sunburned. You know, my pasty white skin doesn't hold up too well and i even had a little sunscreen on and i still managed to get a little sunburn on the face no that ain't too bad though you're still you're still looking shiny white right from uh, the skype video right now <laughs> well thanks i appreciate that you're welcome so what uh, what's been going on in your world with uh, music this uh, past week well um this last weekend my girlfriend's family was in town um her parents and her sister came down and we were just kind of hanging out doing our thing And um, so her parents, just for reference, are children of the 70s or, you know, were of age and came of age in the 70s. And so they were involved in a lot of the drinking and drug scene at the time. And they've since sobered up and have been clean for quite a while now. But were um, they hitting that crack uh, disco ball stuff back in the 79 era? I don't know how extreme they're taking it, but I know there was some acid involved. So I got to hear some acid (laughs) stories. And I I wasn't really sure how much they wanted to talk about that or or what they were comfortable with. And um, we were talking about music. 
and I have my collection of vinyl and we had been playing some nut the night before and her mom picked one out and she happened to pick out in a gata de vida by iron butterfly Ooh. and so we put that on the full 15 minutes or whatever and I got to watch her parents rock That's, out to that so I thought that was kind of cool it was unexpected just because um, I didn't think they were super into music or, or knew you know too much beyond like pop stuff so it's kind of fun to to watch them groove out to that a little bit. Well, that's not bad. Indigata de Vida is the definition of a deep track, I think. It's not uh, just those <laughs> yeah. lost tracks. That one is a deep mofo. It's the entire side, too. <laughs> Gosh, that's crazy. No, so for my week, it's been uh, last night. Uh, the, uh went to uh, First Avenue and uh, got to see The Eels. I don't know if that's... Uh, band you're familiar with they're from the like late 90s early 2000s um very cool dudes i mean just you know uh, rocking boys in their sunglasses um but yeah it was a very good show uh rocked all the way through two encores um and then uh, obviously this is the week that we've been waiting for for a while uh rival sons for me on thursday they'll be in chicago on friday for you and then Super Friday night for that. Oh, isn't that great? Yeah. And then uh, Friday for night for me is the Pokey Lafarge solo act at Cedar. I can't wait for that one. Yeah, that sounds like that's going to be a blast. I'm pretty jealous of that. Oh yeah, and I got to uh, I watched uh, him on uh, what's the uh, what's the NPR Tiny Desk concert. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I watched him from I think it was about 2014. Uh, it was just a nice little concert. He's just so fantastic live cool i don't know if i've ever seen that i'm gonna have to check that out yeah it's a good uh it's got a good uh probably 11 12 minutes and it's the it's got pokey the farge the harp player the the Mm stand-up bass player and the lead guitarist they've been together for so long it's just amazing and it's still a tight band that's cool do you know um before we dive too much further is the harp player is he back with the band is he doing better um i do not know that for certain but i do believe the last time Pokey Lafarge was in through in town, um, which was last summer, I believe he was saying that uh, he was making a good recovery. So okay. I think he was due back for the band in like October. So I don't know if they went and toured for a little bit. And uh, now Pokey's just going solo um, for whatever reason. But um, I believe they toured last uh, fall and winter in uh, like Europe and stuff like that. Okay, because we did go to that one show. For those of you who don't know, um, Pokey Lafarge is accompanied by a fantastic harmonica player, and he was pretty badly injured in a car accident, I believe, and wasn't able to join them on their last tour um, when you and I saw them at Mm -hmm. the Turf Club, um, which was a bummer because he's always a delight to watch, but hopefully he's, he's doing better and be back with the band soon. Yep, quick recovery for sure, and hopefully he's uh, still got the the magic lungs and the uh, the rock and vibe behind that harmonica because that's that's always a delight to see at his con- at the Pokey Lafarge concerts. Definitely. And so, why are we here today, Ben? What is this album that we've uh, uh, kind of fell upon here? Well, we're here to talk about Howlin' Sun and their self-titled album. It's one of those that just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, this was a band that had showed up on a Spotify playlist that I was listening to. And it, one of their songs, I think it was Hitchhiker of Love, stuck out. 
while I was listening to it and was like, okay, I'm going to go back and visit that one. So I did. And I liked the song and I was liking what I was hearing. I texted you about them <laughs> and you know, next thing we know, we decided let's do a podcast about their album. Yeah. And it was one of those things where we just only listened to one. Well, I only listened to the one song cause he, he just sent uh, the band and I just kind of picked the first song and I was hooked on it. And I was like, ah, this is a good one. Let's, let's give them a try, you know? And, um, I'm, I'm kind of glad we did cause it was a, it was a good, good album to kind of listen to. It's kind of something right, almost right up our alleys pretty much I would say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right up the alley. And that's kind of what stuck out to me about it was like, oh, this is a breath of fresh air. It's, it's something I haven't heard in a while, something I've been listening for. And so I was relieved to kind of hear some of that good old rock and roll. A uh, little bit about Howling Sun. They're a, a four piece band out of Bergen, Norway. No um, they're way. signed to <laughs> Apollon Apollon Records. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that. Yeah, um, it's yeah. it's a four piece. Um, their members are Tor Eric, Magnus, Peter, and Torgrim. Those are the names of the members <laughs> in the band. That's awesome. Peter. Uh, yeah, they're they're a small little outfit. Um, yeah, after doing some research, I realized they're, um, you know, they're definitely a band that has gained some traction, but they're still very new in the game. And to put out a, a first album like this, you know, relatively under the radar, but it's nonetheless a very good first album, and in one that I think we're gonna have fun talking about today. Oh, definitely. No, they. I was very. Um I was very shocked to see that they were actually from Norway because they kind of got like that West Coast like raunchiness to them. So to hear that our boys from Norway are loving American rock and roll and um, kick, giving it a kick of their own, this is a it, it was a nice little uh, addition to like our uh, podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so with Howlin' Sun here, one of their uh, coolest features here is the album cover i i think this is like awesome uh what do you think of this little psychedelic version of a woman holding a glowing ball ben this is howling sun she's like holding the sun it looks like right it's it's a little weird um it almost kind of reminds me of jupiter which is the name of a track on this album Um, it's just yeah it's just kind of bizarre not really sure you know what's going on here her hands look ginormous as she reaches around this thing, and it's like it's D, kind for, of it's a, like D from all. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Your mom had to have a C-section because of those hands. <laughs> oh, that's a great point. I can't tell what that's on her head. It looks like a crown of some sort that kind of lights up, and the the background behind her is almost like a a muted, faded tie dye. Yeah, what is that bubbly thing over her right shoulder? It kind of looks like it's. I have no clue how to describe it. It's just, it looks like an alien kind of like head with like three little antennae, but they're like just little bulbs, you know? It looks like a shadow to me from her head. Like if there's a light coming oh. from the other side, it looks like that might be the shadow. That's what I see. That is awesome then. Yeah. Because it looks like t- something totally different than what is on her head because her head looks like kind of like a little bubbly kind of hat, like you were saying. It's got like bubbles all over it. Overall though, it's it's a pretty neat, cover and, and I like how the name Howlin' Sun is just tucked up in that left corner with big bold letters and it, it's just simple and, and to the point which yeah. I think it's just kind of cool it's you know this is it we're not yeah. messing around 
Yeah, and I really like the font on that too. It's got that late sixties kind of a feel to it too. And, yeah. You know, it, yeah, it, it kind of adds to the the psychedelic effect. Yeah, psychedelic kind of West Coast vibe, which is kind of cool. No, overall, I think this one is a killer album cover and one that it's just like, hmm. Um, it definitely kind of will fit, possibly. The, you hope that it fits the uh, overall uh, theme of the album. And so far, I would say it does after having listened to it. Uh, what about you? What do you think your opinion is of the overall feel of the album and its connection possibly to the cover or other themes that might be running into it? Overall, I think this is just a good rock and roll kind of album there's a lot of elements from a lot of different bands that I was able to pick out um, I noticed a lot of Black Keys a lot of Jack White a lot of Wolf Mother um, a lot of those bands and they kind of combined it all into to one kind of raw sound that I can only really describe as rock and roll um, I think there was some instances of everything kind of sounding a little similar throughout the whole album, um, but it was still, like I said earlier, kind of refreshing just because it's something we haven't heard in a while, something I've been looking for personally in my music journey. No, I, I if there was some good points that you touched upon there that I caught on, but my overall feeling of this album is that it's, it is a good album. I, I, I feel that it's a... It's one of those albums that has a very good um, sound to it. And kind of like what you're saying, it, we're, we're both kind of always looking for that guitar rock kind of a sound again that um, has kind of been missing for a long time. And mm-hmm. I think this fills that void for us. Um, one of the cool things I felt while it was a simple mix to the album, kind of what you were touching upon and the sound, overall sound with it, I'm okay with it. Um, it's it's a first band kind of a or it's the first album for a band mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. a thing where you're not going to expect probably them to be very um, experimental and trying to you know fit everything within a certain idea I think they just probably wanted to get some of this music out so overall I, I like your assessment about how there's there's peaks of other bands um, that kind of uh, comes through their music and you know Pink Floyd was one that I wrote down and a little bit of Rolling Stones, and I think when uh, we get to the ratings on this, I'll, I'll delve a little bit more into who I really think that they sound like, and it, it does kind of affect my score. But overall, this album has some great rockers, and they, they surprise us with some really cool slow moments, uh, some really good vocals. Um, overall, I think it's much more than like what the cover shows. It's, it's more blues rock, I think. I want to say it's more blues than rock, so... Um, we're going to have some pretty good uh, talks about some songs here because um, I think there's a lot of heavy blues influence behind this. And so mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Black Keys is a really good one that pops up in there. And Wolf Mother is a really another one because it's just there's some heavy moments in there that are just like Wolf Mother. Definitely. So shall we dive in? Well, why don't we? Gonna, cool. We're going to hitchhike so, our way to this first song, aren't we? <laughs> yes. So the first track on this album is Hitchhiker of Love.
That opening kind of grainy organ is just awesome. It just crawls in. It, it kind of, to me, when I'm thinking of a hitchhiker, you know, you're kind of out in the middle of a desert thing, and that kind of gives you that kind of scary haze into it. Mm-hmm. But then it just kicks in after that, and it's just amazing. And then that organ is still in there on the right channel, and it's just so excellent, but it's not that grainy sound, you know? Right, right. They have that, they come in, and it's that organ, and there's that distorted guitar just kind of humming in the background behind it before it all drops mm-hmm. in. And then it drops into that booming intro with the, the organ and the guitar just kind of rocking out together. And this was, to me, when I first was like, oh, this sounds a lot like something maybe from a Wolf Mother album. So this was kind of that first sound that I had picked up on. And just having the organ and guitar just rock out on that intro is like, all right, I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah, that that when that that fuzz bass and that that heavy drums kicks in right after that that organ pep, it's just like a great excitement. And then they kind of do that great thing during the the verses where they kind of drop out a little bit and they just mm-hmm. kind of subtly play. Uh, they allow the vocals to kind of get out front. Um, the vocals are pretty good too here in this. They're a little bit grisly. Um, but I think it's got, it's got this kind of a, a, a fluid sound to go with it. Uh, it's definitely a fit for this song. Right. And during the verse, I like how they do that. They drop back and kind of let the vocals take over. Um, I thought there was a cool tremolo effect on the guitar. It just kind of sets the tone for the verse and just kind of accompanies the vocals while they're back there and just kind of lets it do do its own thing and then they bust right out back into that chorus and and bring the heat again yeah overall this song has just a really good mellow groove too where it feels like you could kind of slow dance but then it'll be it's you'd be grinding to it you know (laughs) i think this one is one of the more um more mellow rockers on this album and I think it's, it, it, as a lead off song it's not too bad it, 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 it's the best though because of that, that gritty organ in the, in the beginning mm-hmm. I think too what stands out to me is just the, the concept of the song itself Hitchhiker of Love like you know what, what it, does that even mean it, it could mean a lot of different things really you know it's, he just kind of bounces around from person to person not really mm-hmm. falling in love um, you know it's just an interesting way to describe that type of person oh definitely and I think this is where I this is uh, the, the lyrical version of what I figure is like the blues you know this is a very mm-hmm. kind of like the idea itself is just kind of like oh my gosh kind of like a dirty uh, moving on moving on just thumbing a ride to you know the next one, and it, it's uh, it, it's a good storytelling. They have they have a couple of those songs too going on forward, but this one is a very good starter, so a good way to point that out. Mm-hmm. I also really appreciated the breakdown slash bridge part. Um, they do those staccato beats, bam 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 bam, when they're just kind of emphasizing that in this part of the song. And I thought that was really cool. It's something that stood out to me. Yeah, oh no, that's a great one. Yeah, they do they do that kind of a couple of times, I think, don't they? Throughout the album, and this is a really good effect on there. Uh, that's a good point. Out. And shall we head west or westbound for the yeah, next song? Yeah, let's go westbound. Second song is called Westbound. <laughs> 
what's your opinion of uh, the start here? So I really liked how these songs kind of complemented and contradicted each other. There's just kind of right off the bat a one-two punch of, you know, kind of bringing the energy and kind of setting the, the tone for the whole album. And this one just kind of jumps right into it. You know, they bring the guitar and the drums right out the bat, and then next thing you know, they're into the verse. There's not a an intro that drags on too long. So I thought that was kind of a cool contradiction from the first song, how they shortened it up and then just kind of got to the point where the first song is we're going to walk on stage and jam out for a while. And then this one is, all right, now let's introduce ourselves as a band a little more. Yeah. This one for me was just, I, I agree with everything you said there. This one was just a cool rocker for me. It's at two minutes and 12 seconds. It's, it's one of those things that it comes in and comes out and, um, it's a it's a really good punch to the face. It's a little bit heavier than the sec- the first song. So as a second song, it, it keeps you involved in the album a little bit. It gets your blood cooking a little bit higher than what the first song will do. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I think one thing that I really loved about this is this is the first song out of the you know the first two that I really under I could hear the mix uh, of it and the mix is absolutely wonderful um, and. The way that they kind of keep that going, every song kind of has the same mix, but every instrument, in my opinion, stands out in this song. You got the cymbals bashing, the drums are sounding hot, um, the bass is rocking out in that little left channel, and then you got both guitars kind of seesawing back and forth. It's it's mm-hmm. a great little rocker, and it's well yeah. produced here. Yeah, that's a great point, because um, I really appreciated, even during the guitar solo, the, the lead guitar rips it up, but... What stood out to me too was the rhythm guitar during that solo. It was very pronounced and it was just the right touch. It just it held the groove of the whole song and you could hear it and feel it and it didn't take away from the solo. No, exactly. That solo just it's punching in the right channel and then you got that that rhythm is just complementing it so well and both are just mixed at the right level where each one feels like it's the star without either one being like the backs you know the backseat driver right yeah cool cool little song short to the point you don't see a lot of songs that hover around two minutes but this one fits a lot in in that two minutes and 12 seconds yeah that and kind of it's it's one of those songs where it's, it's just a great rocker that you know what it's in it's out boom just like us and then we go to the third song of this album which is called move what are your thoughts on this track you know, uh, this one was a very another kind of a different sounding rocker than the other two, and so it made it okay. But it's got that opening kind of just like slow couple guitar strums, mm-hmm. and then it, mm-hmm. it just punches into a nice little piercing guitar riff. And I feel like it's a nice break from the other rock songs, and it's still different enough to be in that flow of mm-hmm. uh, songs. And I felt like this. Uh, complements the second song very well. Um, this is the one that I kind of felt like is early Pink Floyd mixed with like Black Sabbath or Jack White, possibly. Actually, yep. I I picked up a lot of Jack White. 
um, after that intro part, once yes. that distorted guitar comes in, that's something to me that sounds like something right off Lazaretto. Oh, definitely. Yeah, good point. But nonetheless, a good rocker. During the chorus, they do this cool thing where they, the music is more of the chorus than anything. You know, he says, you got to move. And then they go into that jam. And, and that's all really the chorus is, which I very much appreciated just for what it was because you don't hear a lot of that. You know, Usually a chorus involves a certain pattern of lyrics and, and a hook and something, but this is more like one phrase and then a riff with all the instruments jamming. No, I, I this is this is a very good little tune. It's 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 a it's also got that kind of like nice mellow groove kind of like the first one, but it's like it kicks in a little bit harder than the than the first mm-hmm. uh, Hitchhiker of Love. The lyrics in this song too are kind of wild. Um one of uh, one of my favorite lines that stood out to me was Johnny Blue Shirt told me a cocaine lie. Johnny Blue Shirt told me. <laughs> I just thought that was wild. Oh, oh, yeah. That is nuts. Yeah, it's a good rocker. They get into that like little uh, guitar, like it's it's not like a guitar solo, but they get into that little solo area, that little break, and it's just kind of like a wacky kind of um, expression. And that's what brought me to that that early Pink Floyd. And I'm like, gosh, no, they were really good rockers too during their psychedelic time. Where I felt like that little break in the middle is just kind of just like kaleidoscope of sound almost. Yeah, the ending is kind of unique compared to the rest of the song, the way that it just kind of uh, also is just kind of like, like softly hitting, hitting some notes, and then it kicks into uh, you know that little piece at that little holding note at the end. Yeah, the the whole song kind of has that that simple swing to it with the the ride symbol on the drums, and then it just kind of all of a sudden just decides to to drop out, and the guitars just kind of go wild at the end there, and then. It just kind of ends on that sustaining note. Yeah, that 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 it was one of the better endings I kind of felt at uh, for any of these songs. Which, um, you know, it it actually has a, it actually had like a really good sound to it. I felt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if we're gonna be moving right on to song number four, yes, track four is "Strange Night." <laughs> This is one of those right off the bat, to me, that's kind of modern rock and roll. Just the the guitar riff and the sound and the tone of it. You know, I don't think it gets much more rock and roll than this does. No, this is, yeah, you're right up the same alley as I am. A, just another great rocker that has a little bit more cleaner sound to it than the other ones. Um, it it really has a great vocal, uh, I think, in the in throughout the whole song, but there's a great transition um, you know, going from rocker, like like screamer in the beginning, and then it gets a little bit kind of like, ooh, I'm going to soften up and kind of like mellow you out during this like this small transition. And that's one of the cool things about this song that I really love. This is possibly my favorite song of the whole album, to be honest with you, is that the music trans- transitions are just so amazing. And, um, you know, it goes from that rocker to the, um, you know, that kind of tranquil sound. And then near the end, it gets like it goes like paranoid cream esque kind of rocking sound, and it's heavy as heck. This song just has like three 
transitions that are just amazing, I think. Yeah, I really liked how it almost became eerie during the chorus. And yeah. I think it, it's it accentuates what the song is about because all of a sudden it drops out and it gets kind of eerie. And then he's singing about the strange night and how everything gets weird, you know, just kind of on the drop of a hat. And so I thought it was a really cool thought process that they put into this of, you know, how can we complement the lyrics and vice versa with the music, you know, and really tying those two together rather than just having lyrics that fit over top of music or music written for lyrics. They almost they intertwine and they're pretty inseparable. Yeah, and you know that's a very good point that you bring up here because there is that action throughout. I think this album, and uh, especially on the second, or, you know, near the end, I would say the second side is like songs six through ten. If you're going to flip a vinyl, um, but I, I really do think that they uh, they meld it really well to here, and because once they get into that really heavy part, I was talking about that kind of cream esque like heavy stuff. It's, it's kind of like, oh, this is a different part of the night now. And it's just like, yeah, you're, it's taking you mentally like to the crazy part of when you're like mm-hmm. staying up all night, possibly delirious. Right. When the song moves into the bridge, the drums, as they're just banging on that ride cymbal, it reminds me mm-hmm. of something like The Doors. Just yeah. like, just that constant You know, I just thought that was a really cool bit. And they just kind of just jam on that. There's nothing fancy about it, just really kind of setting the tone and like picking up the pace a little bit to bring us right into that solo yeah and speaking of the solo what do you think of this one there uh, poppy <laughs> you, you like is this a solo that uh, stood out to you or not it's it's not my favorite on the album but it definitely does stand out to me and you know they he rips it with those bends and just kind of lets let lets it fly for a little bit so i'm always a fan of that yeah, I love the way that he kind of ripped this one, and um, I felt this one was not the best one on the album as well, but I thought this one stood out for sure, and this one was like, yeah, now this is my kind of guitar band, you know? <laughs> when the solo ends, they just kind of kick right back into that main driving riff, and to your point on transitions, this song's got them, because that solo is just jamming and everything's building up. And then it just drops out and then bam, bam, and then right back into that riff. And I thought that was just a really, really cool transition. No, no, it, this song is easily, easily my favorite, I think, off the whole album. This one stood out to me right away on the first listen through. And uh, before our review, you know, I, I told you I listened to this four times. And this song, I was always excited. This is one, this is one that I would work out to, you know. Yep. I also had written down that this is that's this is probably my favorite song on the album, and I think it's their best song on the album. You know, those two don't always coincide, but I think in this case, this is the best song and also my favorite. No, good point. Yeah, there's a lot of times that uh, we don't agree on the favorite song, and this one was definitely uh, this one was a killer one. Mm-hmm. Our next song, track number five, Yellow Lit Road. Um, This one was probably a runner-up for me as far as favorite songs go. Um, There was just something about this song that I really liked. (laughs) 
was it the kind of like slow crawl kind of tuned that kind of crawls into it or what was it i i really like the vibe it it gave me um kind of similar vibes to listen to like yellow lead better by pearl jam mm. um but for some reason when i listen to this song it it transports me a little bit i kind of picture myself in kind of a smoky bar you know everyone's having a cigarette including the band you know the guitar player is definitely smoking a cigarette while he's playing the solo on this song which we'll talk about in a second but <laughs> it just kind of transports me to another place and i think whenever a song can do that i think it's it's worth talking about yeah, no that that's great i what i really appreciated was is um the vocal performance actually in that throughout is that it's it's no effects really if there is any it's very light but i really mm-hmm. felt like it was an organic vocal and it was very well done um he i, I think it's one of those um where it's kind of like a truly like a little bit uh psychedelic song once it gets into that like heavier part too you know and that transition is a pretty cool little uh, addition to it I agree with what you say about the vocals being kind of just raw and unprocessed. That's something we don't get a lot of on this whole album. This song and uh, the last song, he's got a very good voice, um, but unfortunately he's kind of hidden behind a lot of distortion and processing throughout this album. And I would have liked to hear more of the undoctored voice because i think he's got a good voice and it sounds cool especially in this song yeah that's where i would love to see some more of his um you know like uh screaming rock you know it doesn't Mm -hmm. you don't really if you're going to be screaming you don't really need that much more overdrive or anything like that on your vocals and it's like he does have that voice where it holds up very well without much effect Mm -hmm. moving into the solo of this song I also really like this solo. There's nothing fancy about it. You know, it's a pretty simple, straightforward solo, but it just kind of crawls up out of nowhere and then just kind of exists in this space by itself. The drums are just kind of lightly accompanying behind it. And, you know, the solo is just kind of left to do its own thing and just kind of hang out amongst the smoke that fills up this bar. I like this solo. This is my favorite solo. So this one reminds me of like the old British blues and for mm-hmm. people who it reminds me of Peter Green a sure. little bit. It's got that Peter Green kind of slow hitting mm-hmm. the right notes and they were perfect I thought for that solo. It did sound a little kind of messy or lazy possibly, but that's okay. Sure. That's the bluesy part of it. And right. I really loved it and for those people who don't know Peter Green, definitely look him up because uh he was the uh creator of Fleetwood Mac about uh, seven years before uh, Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks got in. Great blues rock. This song, kind of, that solo, excuse me, just brought me back to that era, and it was just like, yes, you guys hit every note perfect for that for that mm-hmm. solo. Mm-hmm. Track number six is the featured single, as far as I can tell, off of this album. <laughs> it's their most played song on Spotify, and it is what uh, most commonly pops up on YouTube and in elsewhere on the internet. So I think this is the song that they decided to go with as their their number one off of this album. And it's called Day to Day Blues. Day to day blues. 
this one, yeah, I think this would be flipping the album, so this would start side two, I would imagine. And it's got this a little bit different than what would be starting in the side one. But regardless, this is a really good kind of slow drag, you know, dragging like um, consistency to this to the music. And then the lyrical, I mean, it fits the lyrical mood of it. So day to day blues, um, it's I think it's a very good fitting um to the kind of the start of the song. Yeah, I think the way the song starts out, it's got that slow mellow pace. It reminded me somewhat of Benjamin Booker, something you might hear on mm. something he would play. God, that's a good call. I I didn't even draw that comparison, but that is a pretty good one. And then that groove kicks in and then it just starts rocking again. I really like how they do that a lot. They just kind of set the stage, get everyone kind of on the same page, and then boom, everything kicks in and just kind of hits you in the face. Yeah, I like his his voice kind of gets, it's got that grittiness to it, and then it's not necessarily um, screaming, but that's where mm-hmm. the effects are coming in, and it's effective. So their, their mix on that with, uh, with the effects, I think is very powerful here, but he gets into like the co- kind of chorus part, the day-to-day blues. It's like, ooh. He is screaming a little bit more, and it, it, it has a great effect. I mean, you feel like, man, this guy is struggling. <laughs> <laughs> when they get to the chorus, the whole song kind of is working up to that point. They have the, the mellow intro, and then the second half of that intro kind of steps it up, and then the verse kind of knocks it back, but then it, boom, jumps right back up into the high energy of the chorus. So they do a really good job of playing with uh, dynamics of a song. It's not just one tempo or you know one pulse the whole way through they they do a really good job of kind of taking you on that roller coaster ride within each song and kind of changing those dynamics no that's a good point because this is also the longest song of the album and i do feel like that it drags on and my first two listens were i was like i'm not too hot on this song Mm-hmm. But when you kind of like look at the construction of it, it is the longest song, I think, for a reason. And it's meant to be dragged on like that Groundhog's Day effect. And I think that's kind of what they do at the end where they kind of keep singing that, you know, little bit of chorus. It's effective in storytelling. And I think this is a pretty good example of them trying to combine all that lyrical, musical and overall effect. I think um, the length of this is, is proven, too. Mm hmm. When we were doing our intro, you had mentioned uh, Rolling Stones, and when I listened to the guitar solo on this, I couldn't help but think of something that Keith Richards might do on the guitar. It just got that vibe and that tone to it the whole way through. Oh, yeah, and the coolest part, I think, about that uh, guitar lead was my, my one note said that it kind of, it, it's a, when you listen to the sound of it, it's not very piercing. It's not very upfront, kind of like the other solos. It's kind of muted just a titch, mm-hmm. where it's kind mm-hmm. of like it's that muted enthusiasm of the day where you know you just can't tap into it because you just don't have the energy to do it. And it's the blues. And oh, I think that's the kind of a cool effect that they brought to that. Mm-hmm. Going out from the solo, they do a cool transition back into the third verse, which is. You know, part of the reason why this song is so long, they have a third verse, which they don't normally do. And I would agree that this is one of those songs where it kind of felt like it went on maybe just a little too long. Um, you know, and having this third verse in there certainly did that. But I don't think it makes it a, a bad song or any worse. 
you know, it's just, it is what it is really. Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those things where upon those first listen or two, you would, if, if you just only listen to it once or twice, you probably wouldn't fall in love with it too much. It takes a good four listens, kind of like what we've always talked about when mm-hmm. I want to give a an album three or four listens before judging it too harshly. And uh, this song is one of those that kind of grew on me just a little bit more just because of thinking a little bit about, about it a little bit more. Right. To end the song, though, they do this really cool thing where they almost kind of have a false ending. They make you think that the song is just about over and they kind of wind everything down. And then it cranks back up for another... 15 seconds or whatever it is and to me that's the stuff that i love in in songs it's just those little bit little things that you know they could have just ended the song but then they just decided nope you know let's just we'll let it fade and then we'll just hit the notes a few more times and you know it's cool it, it just makes the song unique and it gives it that bit of character and so that i really thought i really appreciated that on that last part Mm-hmm. It, 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 I think more albums kind of need that, you know, because it's like Andy Kaufman when he used to, you know, he, he would when he was doing a live feed, he would pretend to make the TV kind of flicker and he would mm-hmm. just kind of like repeat and people would jump up to the TV and pound on it. It's like, OK, I'm done with the song. Nope, I'm keep going. Oh, damn. <laughs> it's kind of like it's, it's fooling with the audience a little bit like, nope, come on on. Come on on with us. So right. I kind of like that little that little play. It's like kind of foreplay almost. <laughs> Speaking of foreplay, shall we uh, jump to the moons of Jupiter? Our next song, which is song number seven. (laughs) Nothing says foreplay like Jupiter. If those are the hands of Jupiter, no way. Um, <laughs> you don't want those hands? No, those are man hands from Seinfeld. That's creepy. <laughs> Who knows where those fingers can go? <laughs> well, they're going to go into Jupiter right now. And that Jupiter, what is your opinion of that? How do you like this song, Ben? I think it's it's a pretty cool song. There's, there's a lot to digest in this song. Um, they have, in the intro... Both guitars are playing something similar but different, and that's something that stood out to me, and I thought was interesting, not in a good way, not in a bad way. It was just, Mm -hmm. you know, you could have both guitars play the same thing, or you could harmonize, but they're both kind of playing the same thing, but it's not the same thing, and I just thought that that was cool, a cool way to kind of set the tone while the verse comes in. Yeah, and so I think this one that you can attribute to the mixing for that part as well because the mixing gives both of these guitars the equal ground and you, our ears, both ears get the benefit of this. And that's my main thing. This song was the best guitar song I felt of the whole thing, um, especially when we get into the solo. I think it's got some great bluesy grit to it. And it's just fantastic. And so those are my main uh, takeaways was the guitars were just fantastic. Mm -hmm. And the mix is um, really shining here for all the instruments again. Uh, The bass actually shines quite a bit in here, um, kind of especially around the chorus part where it kind of just, when it hits the notes, it feels like it's a little more boomy. Yeah, it's got that fat kind of vibrating tone that you Mm -hmm. can feel. Yep. I also liked how... 
the during the verse the guitar and the vocals were kind of doing their own thing and then just for that last little bit of whatever line that he was singing they'd sync up the vocal melody and the guitar and the bass would all sync up and hit that boom 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 and they would hit those notes on the same melody and then go back to kind of grooving and winding around each other and then until the end of the line came and then it would be dun 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 and just kind of lined up and that's another one of those little bitty things that you might not notice but you know as you're writing it and once you really dig into it it's something you can hear and it's kind of cool I gotta listen for that again because I I didn't follow that so that's great I'll I'll have to listen for that the lyrics in this song are also really cool yeah lay us some lay us some lyrics from Jupiter Ben Um, one one of my favorite was it was a glass of two glass too many of Jupiter's blood should have never touched that wine and then in the chorus he's singing time for you to go high on Jupiter's blood so there's there's a theme that they're playing on with like the wine and the blood I'm not exactly sure how Jupiter plays into all of this that's something that I'll probably have to dig through a little bit more but I just thought that you know calling it Jupiter's blood was kind of a cool way to describe this yeah, I wonder if that has to do with like you know ancient gods or something. So I'm trying to remember what the uh, Greek uh, you know god of wine was. I can't remember anything, but I wonder if that would be something like that. Was there a Greek god of wine? I I believe so. There was one of everything else, <laughs> <laughs> war and everything else. Wine just seems like I don't know. Well, the the Greeks were like they loved wine. Well, who doesn't? I know, I got some bread behind me, but I gotta finish this beer first. <laughs> <laughs> no wine until you finish your beer. No wine until you finish your podcast, Jesse, because you get all goofy on that. <laughs> so, speaking of getting goofy, shall we get on to the next song, which is song number eight. Track eight is Nothing Like a Shelter. <laughs> This song is kind of one of those stomping and rolling songs. They've got that smooth guitar just kind of coming in on that intro. And then everything just drops in and it's kind of one of those head-banging, stomping songs. You think that lead-in's a little... See, I always liked this one because it felt sloppier than a lot of other lead-ins. You kind of thought mm-hmm. that was smooth. I kind of like this like sloppiness with it where it's... Maybe yeah, sloppy I guess is wrong sm- word, but maybe it might be lazy right is word. kind of smooth. I should is not say simple. Yeah, simple sounds a little bit better because it's kind of like, I feel like it's kind of lazy, but you're right. It kicks right in once it gets into that rock and body of it. Mm. I really like the drums, how they kind of stand out in this one too. Everything is hitting just great. And I felt like this song actually utilized the drums quite a little bit more and focused on it a little bit more for the overall music than a lot of the other tracks. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One thing I did note or notice during this song is the verse and the chorus kind of play off each other musically. Um, the verse is almost just a simplified version of the chorus with less notes and less energy, but it's essentially the same parts, which is not something you hear too often. You know, sometimes it'll be the same chords and, you know, they'll pick up the energy, but like this was just, they took the chorus, scaled it back for the verse, slowed it down, and then added that back in for the chorus. And I thought that was kind of cool, but you wouldn't notice it just listening to it. You kind of have to really dig into it to pick up on it. And this song, too, also has the guitars on either side. Um, they're really complementing each other and not taken away. It feels like they switch between a little bit of um, rhythm and lead work, and then they both play the, the riff together. And I think this uh, proves that, man, they're, they're hitting on uh, all cylinders uh, for this song. I could see them rocking this out on stage, like taking the show. Mm-hmm. In the bridge part before the solo kicks in um, the guitar gets kind of clean and Mm -hmm. the chord that they strike there that first chord instantly stuck out to me Um, it reminds me a lot of In One Ear by Cage the Elephant just that clean tone and if you go back and you listen to that song and then listen to this song and listen to that bridge part you'll know exactly what I'm talking about but it's just one of those it's one of those chords that's so distinguished and just because I listened to that s- song so much by Cage the Elephant it was just one of those I picked up instantly he's like that's cool so it stood out to me right away oh nice <clears throat> what album is that from uh, it's off their first album oh nice okay well, I'll, have to, I'll have to listen to that one I haven't listened to early Cage in a long time yep yeah it's always fun to revisit Cage the Elephant they're not they're one of those bands they've never been my favorite band but they've always been a band that I've really liked and appreciated and they yeah. always put out good stuff. Yeah, especially their latest kind of work with Beck and it's a very unique path that they're taking and I Cage Elephant has my respect. I I love seeing them live too because the lead singer just acts like Mick Jagger and it pisses my friend Alex off who loves Rolling <laughs> Stones. So. Uh Anyway, um Howlin' Sun. So this solo on Nothing Like a Shelter is, this is my favorite guitar solo on the album. Yeah, I think he, just, he, yeah. he rips it up here. He kind of shows off his chops a little bit. Um, all the other solos, well, they're all very good. Um, he flexes his capabilities a little bit more on this one and plays with a little more speed, a little more clarity, and you really get a glimpse of, of what he can do. And I'm always a fan of that. Yeah, having that freedom to kind of just, okay, let me find it myself. And, you know, it makes it sound a little more seminal or like true mm-hmm. to what that guitar player is trying to work on, what he, what he sees for this art, you know. Right. And he also digs up some new tones on here, which mm-hmm. a lot of the, the solos and guitar carry a lot of the same tones. Um, that was something I alluded to in the intro. But on this one, he kind of pulls out a new sound for the solo. And I'm always a fan of that, you know, hearing something a little bit different throughout the album. And um, I would love to hear more of this in the future from him because it's good. Yeah. So moving on, we have track number nine, number nine, number nine, number nine. 
Number nine. The Number day nine. took my sunshine away. This one is possibly my runner-up for best song, or favorite song, excuse me. This song kind of brought me back to the Rolling Stones feel, kind of like uh, Midnight Rambler. I think this song was originally recorded by the Rolling Stones and just ended up on this album. (laughs) Because of the harmonica? See, the introduction of the harmonica, that got got my my wee-wee heart. It it just was, (laughs) it was like awesome because it was brought in subtly, but... Man, he mm-hmm. he channels some Mick Jagger type vocals on this too, and it's it's he's yep. it's still his own vocals though. But he's getting that he's getting that gritty blues kind of sound that you would find reminiscent of Mick Jagger, I think, and it's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a it's a cool song. It's different. That harmonica comes in out of nowhere, and you're like, all right, let's go. And it's just got that bow now 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 now. You know, simple mm-hmm. like blues guitar, kind of backing everything up. The lyrics yeah. are super cool too. Yeah, Nighttime is that. the bright time because the day took my sunshine away. How awesome Isn't that is beautiful? that? Come on, come on. See, I wanted to get to that. So part of the reason why I love it as, as somebody who just loves digging into lyrics myself, just like you do, this one is just a great lyrical idea for a whole mm-hmm. song. You know, I mean, just that backdrop of the day took my sunshine away. Holy cow. It's like, that's where it belongs. No, it right. belongs to me. <laughs> it's just wild. It's so cool. Yeah, this one basically, like I said, it is my runner-up for like favorite song. But that uh, the way that they kind of like tear into the solo, where they kind of just just kind of rip up a little bit, I think it's just fantastic. Yeah, they really kick it up to ten when they come in with that bridge and that solo, yeah. and it just it contradicts the rest of the song a little bit because you expect more of a laid back you know Keith Richards kind of solo where you just kind of keep that same rhythm going and then you have some you know single note kind of driving but all of a sudden it's just like nope we're gonna we're gonna turn things up here and really rock out on this solo yeah I feel like that because it's in the left channel that that kind of just kind of tears it up a little bit but then this goes all the way to the other side and it Mm -hmm. just it overtakes everything and it's just fantastic I think this it's it's just it's definitely one of those sexier kind of uh, breaks for the band. You know, it's, it's it's a great one. Yeah, and then they find a way after that solo and bringing it up so high, and they just do a nice ramp down back to the original groove of the song, and then just kind of play that out until the end of the song. And it's just a nice little kind of like harmonica hold, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really would have loved to seen a little bit more harmonica in that, possibly. Like, sure. possibly kind of maybe, um, you know, and you, it would be great for live music, possibly. Um, but I would love to see the harmonica and the guitars kind of go at it like a three, like a three way almost, you know, kind of like a battle. It'd be kind of really right. cool to kind of see that. You don't never see that anymore. And yeah, it's kind of funny. You don't see harmonica out there as we're talking about. There isn't really a lot of guitar like eccentric uh, uh, centric bands. Yeah, the harmonica is very limited a lot of the times, too. Yeah, you don't get a lot of harmonica anymore, especially solos. So it would have been cool Mm -hmm. to hear something like that, but whatever. I'm not going to complain too much. 
No, it was a great ad, though. It was kind of like out of left field where I wasn't kind of expecting it, even though throughout I've always had that blues feeling. This version of it, or this version of the blues that they, they delve into is very good, though. I, I appreciated having it in there, but, it, you know, it'd be kind of cool to see them on stage and, and, and rip this out with the harmonica, you know. Definitely. So moving into the final song, A Little Bit of Rain, keeps the blues going. Track 10, A Little Bit of Rain, is actually um, a very slow, you know, kind of uh, sit on your, you know, your farm porch with your Mm -hmm. guitar and kind of watch the uh, sunset, it feels like, a little bit. Or, you know, A Little Bit of Rain is probably watching some rain clouds roll in, you know. And um, it's got that great slow feel. And this is where his vocals, the lead lead, uh, singer, this is where his vocals pop for me again, where there's yep. very little effect, and it's he's 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 very good, and he sings real um, Americana with this. Mm-hmm. It's not just like you know an, an, a Norway person trying to sound American. No, he puts some true Americana in it, and it's beautiful. Right? Yeah, the vocals were my favorite part of this song. They're clean, they're gritty, but they're good. And it's it's something like I said earlier. I wish we had more of this because I think just clean and by themselves the vocals are really good mm-hmm. they hold I mean they hold up very well mm-hmm. how'd you like that yeah. steel uh, guitar in the left channel man I thought that was pretty cool it wasn't yeah. something I was expecting you know considering the rest of the song but I guess I shouldn't be surprised either but I just thought it was a really cool sound yeah I think it's a nice break too from the other electrical guitars that we've heard uh, throughout mm-hmm. the whole album I think this um, definitely um, it, it helps makes the song but it, I think it it kind of rounds out the uh, the album because it, it has that, that just beautiful sound and um, it's played very well and almost uh, near perfect um, so mm-hmm. the, the guitar the rhythm guitarist is uh, enough, talented enough to just keep rocking you know yeah really cool song really cool way to end the album just kind of on one of those slow kind of like you said sitting on the porch as the sun sets kind of song and it's a great way to wrap things up yeah and did you uh they actually had harmonies uh during the chorus there you know um, i think that was just a very good you know bluegrassy kind of sound with the harmonies and it, it it really makes it wholesome almost yeah i i picked up more so i thought Lyric or vocally, he sound there was to me it sounded like Jack White a little bit when Jack White does some of those raw blue stuffs, but on the harmonies, um, I definitely picked up some more Stones vibes on mm. on those parts. Oh, I definitely I, I was thinking more like bluegrass because this uh, when the harmonies come in and when they sing um, a little bit of rain ain't gonna ruin my day mm. is that. Uh, it really brought me back to Nitty Gritty Dirt Band and Will a Circle Be Unbroken, kind of those sure. harmonies, and that definitely kind of kicked in. But I can hear the I can hear the Rolling Stones type as well. I mean, uh, Let It Bleed is one of my favorite Stones albums, and they got that on that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I can definitely hear that in this. But it brought me back to that bluegrass kind of sound, and I love that. And that's uh, oh, if you haven't heard that Will a Circle Be Unbroken, you should uh, pop that up. 
cool. And so, so we've getting to the end of the album. The yes. needle has been picked. What uh, what should we do for uh, ratings here? You want me to go first, or you want to go first on this one? Um, I'll take I'll take the reins this week and and jump off the diving board first. <laughs> All right. Um, I think, like I said at the beginning, um, it's a fun rocking album. Um, the songs. There's a few that stand out that are really cool. I think there's some sense of the tone kind of all sounding the same, the guitar and everything. There's a little bit of that where there's not too much distinction. Um, I don't know that there's any super, super standout song. I do think like Strange Night and Yellow Lit Road to me, I think those are two very good songs that I like a lot. Um, You know, and I think they're hitting a lot of things you know, they do those cool little things that we had talked about in, in each song that's unique. So I really like those bits. Um, so so overall, I, I give this one a, a four flat out of six. Four flat? Yes. Nice. All right, the four flat. I am in the same range as you, but I am going to go a little four sharp on this one. Okay. Okay. So my reason for this one, I think it's a good album. I think it's well mixed. Um, now it's the same mix for almost every song, as we kind of said. Um, when I look at this album, I think it's it's put together very well, uh, in the sense that I think almost all the songs flow very well together. Um, we've we've discussed once before about how there isn't something that wows you. I think all the songs are good. But there isn't that one song that just wows you, other than you know, strange, uh, strange nights for me. That I would say, for me, that's why I can't put it into the five range. But I do feel like the vocals are there. I think uh, they fit almost every song. I think the one bad thing is the same tone with everything. Um, but it breaks down. You see the talent there. I think the they showed what they can do. I think it's a um, I just think it's a it's a diverse enough rock album where each rock song didn't sound very similar from each other almost, you know. Um, when we did the Buffalo Fuzz um, conversation, that one had a lot more that were very similar to each other, you know, like probably two or three. This one, I mm-hmm. felt like every song was uniquely different, even though it had that same tone. Yep. Um, I do believe that um, and, and the same tone and same mix. And so that kind of, eh, you know, it's like, uh, but... You have to give them leeway, I think, because it is their first album in that sense. And so I'm going to give them that break because um, essentially um, they put out some good musicianship on this. And um, Mm -hmm. I think this is a great effort. They got good lyrics on this as well. So four sharp is, is, I think, is a good bend, I think. Cool. Yeah. So one thing that I did read upon him before we head on out for this was a review of the album from um, Angry Metal Guy, which you got to love. You got to love when somebody's already angry. Um, (laughs) But this guy, uh, Angry Metal Guy, this was a review by uh, El Suvero. Um, And this is he had two questions he wanted. He posed kind of to the audience and he answered rhetorically, basically. Um, He goes and I quote. I pose two questions. Will they be able to develop from Howl and Son? And will a succeeding record simply repeat what's already here? And so before I tell you what his answer is, what would you think based on those two questions? Mm. 
that you initially heard, I mean. my initial thought is yes yeah, so to me those are almost kind of the same question i can't remember exactly what you said but i can you want me to reread them real quick yeah repeat them one more time so the first question maybe we'll just go question by question sure. is um will they be able to develop from howl and son and will a succeeding record simply repeat what's already here so i my answer is yes i think they will be able to develop because of those little bits that i heard um it was those little surprises you know the things that stood out to me of like oh they didn't end the song there even though they could have um or they did this cool th- this cool transition or whatever so to me there's a lot of songmanship there that i think that has the potential so i think they have the capability of taking it to the next step now whether or not they do that remains to be seen and i don't know i can't give a solid answer on that because you know i've heard bands you know i think wolf mother is a good example of they continued to make new music but it still kind of all sounded the same even though it was a little bit different so they could go down that route of making music that's similar to this but to me i think those little bits in there signify that they really think about what they're writing and i think if they take it that seriously i think they will continue to evolve and change their sound Mm -hmm. i will i will second that then i think they will um kind of hopefully uh evolve from this album because they they definitely show it they have a lot of different transitions where i think if they were going to spend more time and kind of go okay we can we, we've already thought of a, a base for this let's kind of elaborate on it and let's let's build off this foundation they have a lot of great foundation off this album i think so um if they are um you know willing to kind of delve more into their creativity and what they hear i think they will find um they'll find some good sounds because they got they already got like three or four genres they're tapping into just on this album. Mm-hmm. The difference is, is just the production um, tone is exactly the same on a lot of them. And mm-hmm. so this has the potential for growing, I think. They will evolve from that sound. Um, hopefully they don't get into like, okay, we're going to play more of that country vibe at the end. It's just like, well, no, you should be able to tap into it, but... Um, mix it all up if you can and I think they seem to be music people enough where they uh, they should be able to tap into it more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so this is what the answer was from El Suvero um, he goes I can't answer the latter so willing to succeed will a succeeding record repeat what's already there he goes sure. I can't answer the latter but attempts at doing something different on day to day blues and a little bit of rain would suggest not for the former. So the original question. So Wait. he's saying they... Wait, well, yeah, did I get the latter and former mixed up? <laughs> so what former is... The first. Yes. Oh, yeah. So yeah. So he's saying... Um, little English lesson for everyone out he, there. Uh, yeah. Coming from an English major and a communications <laughs> major. You know, it's funny that I'm fucking it up. That's great. Um but so he says, attempts at doing something different on day-to-day and a little bit of rain would suggest not for the former. So he doesn't think that they will evolve uh, from their sound for the next album. 
Okay. I could see. The, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to fight him on it because I don't, you know, I think especially because it's not something we haven't heard before. You know, this album and this band wasn't something that was like, whoa, I've never heard anything like this. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that suggests that sometimes when you hear that, you end up falling into that pattern or they'll just kind of repeat it um, because, you know, was there, was that a conscious choice to sound like they did or was that just kind of how it ended up, you know, based on who they listened to, you know? So yeah, I could definitely see them not developing and just kind of putting out something similar. Um, I think based on, again, what I've heard, I think, the songwriting will continue to improve, but whether or not that takes a different sound or develops in a different way, I think could remain to be seen. I just think angry metal guy is just uh, jealous of Norway's uh, socialist uh, tendencies. Well, he might be. (laughs) No, I would say these guys, these people have uh, got a good chance and um, I would love to hear what they got coming up because this album was released uh, early 2018 um, so hopefully they got something coming up uh, around the corner here. Yeah, and I, I'm curious to see how they progress as a band because they put out this album, which, as we've talked about, is is well mixed. It's well produced. It sounds good. You know, it sounds like a good studio album. And they are signed to a record label for a band that's relatively unknown. You know, there's not a lot out there. They've got a Facebook page. Um, they've got videos on YouTube that are professional quality videos they have a music video but it's still not you know they don't have the look of a full professional band yet and so i'm i'm curious to see what comes next for them and and if they can because i don't even know what kind of audience they have you know i don't know maybe they're popular in norway i had never heard of them here in the states but you know their their top song has 179,000 plays so you know they're not unknown you know people know who they are so i'm curious to see how they grow their their following in their band as well yeah cuz that's when you think about it i mean that's a pretty good hit for just 2 years just for a band that has never really i mean have they even come to the states yet i haven't even really looked up their concert date you know like set lists or anything right Right. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Well, they, uh, so I just looked it up. No coming up events. So who knows? <laughs> Interesting. Well, we'll have to wait and yeah. see. Yeah. So that was uh, Howl and Sun, their uh, debut album from 2018 uh, called Self-Titled Howl and Sun. And uh, Ben, we're about to go. Uh, we're about to go off the record here. You got any last parting shots to the world and or uh, me? I think I've said all I need to say today. Well, I can see it in your eyes. You're telling me something different. So uh, we will be uh, heading off the record today. So everybody have a great night. Uh, And uh, we are now off the record. Have a good one. Goodbye. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you would, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to review your podcasts and get us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at On The Record Music or on Twitter at OTRM Podcast. Thank you, and we will see you next week.